0: Take your Bible and open it up to the book of Joshua. We just finished up a a study in Matthew. And now we get to go to the Old Testament and spend some time there. Joshua, what what an awesome book. I've uh, already enjoyed uh, just the time I've spent studying it and looking at it and reading through it. It's very rich. I've been blessed in my life to have a, a number of uh, awesome mentors, just to have men who have come alongside me at different points in my life to encourage me and to teach me more about God's Word and to teach me more about what it means uh, to be a, a man of God. And uh, I, I have been especially blessed uh, w- by the man who was pastor here before me. I know most of you guys know Pastor Henry, but some of you might not know. Uh, the, the guy that I took over for, Pastor Henry Tucker, was just an awesome awesome man, just a man of God, a great preacher, uh, a great friend, somebody that I, I had an opportunity to, to learn from and, and to be encouraged by before I became the pastor, and then somebody who continued to help me and to mentor me uh, for years and years and years after uh, becoming the pastor here, and, uh, and I, I miss him every single day. I still need him. <laughs> uh, there's a couple things that that he would say to me, especially very early on uh, in my ministry. Uh, he would uh, always encourage me to go slow. He did that a lot and and partly because he knew that that I was kind of young and a little bit excited, and that sometimes going too fast is a bad thing and so he he helped me to go slower, which I, I appreciated and and then he would also say to me often uh, after preaching, especially my first year, he would say, great content. Content is good, but more passion. You need more passion. I'd be like, I, don't, I don't know what you mean. What do you mean more passion? Uh, yeah. And, and, and it was because, like, he knew from talking to him, uh, when we ever, we would talk about the Bible or about theology, he knew I would get all fired up and excited, and he just didn't see that from me behind the pulpit. So he would encourage me there because he knew it was there, and he, and he knew it was something that I would need uh, in my preaching for, for years to come. And, uh, I appreciated his encouragement to me at that point. In Deuteronomy chapter 31, Moses has come to the end of his ministry. He's come to the end of his life, and he knows it. Uh, and he gathers all of the people, all of the Israelites, together, and says, "Listen, I'm I'm old. I'm 120 years old. I'm done. I'm not. I'm not going to lead you from now on, Joshua." is going to be your leader he's the one that's going to lead you across the jordan into the promised land and you're going to and you're going to fight and you're going to win and moses then says to joshua these words in deuteronomy chapter 31 then moses called to joshua and said to him in the sight of all israel be strong and courageous for you shall go with this people into the land which the Lord has sworn to their fathers to give them. And you shall give it to them as an inheritance. The Lord is the one who goes ahead of you. He will be with you. He will not fail you or forsake you. Do not fear or be dismayed. So Moses' parting advice to his successor Joshua is, listen, you need to be strong and courageous. Don't, don't fear. Don't be dismayed. Now, is it, is it because Joshua lacked those qualities? Is that why Moses had to tell him to, to be strong? Because he, because he wasn't very strong? I don't think that's the case. I mean, he had already proven himself in battle, right? I mean, he, he had won the battle against the Amalekites. And, and he was one of the only ones when sent in as a spy into the promised land, said, yeah, there's giants, but I'm not scared. Like I, We can take them. It's not even going to be that hard. Like he, he had already shown great Courage. I think think this encouragement here by Moses to be strong and courageous was given because the kinds of things that they would face next would be frightening and hard and would require a lot of courage. But really, I think it was a reminder to Joshua that the source of his strength, the source of his success, the source of his courage, was supposed to be in God. It had to be. Not in, not in His own strength as a leader. Not in His own abilities. But, but the source of His strength and courage was in a great, mighty, powerful God. And the, the book of Joshua begins with God speaking to Joshua. Just like He would spoken to Moses. Let, let's look at what... What God has to say there, Joshua, chapter one, verse one. Now it came about after the death of Moses, the servant of the Lord, that the Lord spoke to Joshua, the son of Nun, Moses' servant, saying, uh, "Moses, my servant is dead. Now therefore arise, cross this Jordan, you and all this people, to the land which I am giving to them, to the land which uh, uh, to the sons of Israel. Each each place in which the sole of your foot treads." I give it to you just as I spoke to Moses from the wilderness and this Lebanon, even as far as the great river, the river Euphrates and all the land of the Hittites. And as far as the great sea towards the setting of the sun will be your territory. No man will be able to stand before you all the days of your life. Just as I have been with Moses, I will be with you. I will not fail you or forsake you. Oh man, imagine having God say those words to you. Nobody's going to be able to stand up against you. I'm not going to fail you. And God says, be strong and courageous. For you shall give this people possession of the land which I swore to their fathers to give them. Only be strong and very courageous. Be careful to do according to all the law which Moses my servant commanded you. Do not turn from it to the right or to the left so that you may have success wherever you go. This book of the law shall not depart from your mouth, but you shall meditate on it day and night, so that you may be careful to do according to all that is written in it. For then you will make your way prosperous, and then you'll have success. Have I not commanded you, again, God says, be strong and courageous, do not tremble or be dismayed, for the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. Then Joshua commanded the uh, officers of the people, saying, Pass through the midst of the camp and command the people, saying, Prepare provisions for yourselves, for within three days you were to cross this Jordan to go in to possess the land which the Lord your God has given you to possess it. And to the Rumanites and to the Gadites and the half-tribe of Manasseh, Joshua said, remember the, the word which Moses, the servant of the Lord, commanded you, saying, the Lord your God gives you rest and will give you this land. Your wives and your little ones and your cattle shall remain in the land which Moses gave you beyond the Jordan. But you shall cross before your brothers in battle array. All your valiant warriors shall help them until the Lord gives your brothers rest as he gives you and they all uh, possess the land which the Lord your God has given them. Then you shall return to your own land and possess that which Moses, the servant of the Lord, gave you beyond the Jordan toward the sunrise. And they answered Joshua, saying, All that you have commanded us, we will do. And, And wherever you send us, we will go. Just as we obeyed Moses in all things, so we will obey you. Hopefully they obey him better than Moses, (laughs) but at least just as good. Uh, Only uh, may the Lord, your God, be with you as he was with Moses. Then they say, anyone who, who rebels against your command does not obey your words, and all that you command him shall be put to death. And then they tell Joshua, only be strong and courageous. Three times in that passage, God tells Joshua to be strong and courageous. And then at the very end, all of the people say, Yes, Joshua, you're our guy. We're going to follow you. We're going to obey you. Only you, Joshua, we need you to be a man who is strong and courageous. Here, here's the thing. I don't think Joshua was some sort of like, great, amazing superhero. I think he was just a, just a normal person. I think he was just a regular guy who had really hard things that he had to face. Uh, Some of his things might have been harder than the things that we have to face. But his strength and his courage did not come from his internal fortitude or from his confidence with the sword or from his gritty attitude. Joshua's strength and his confidence came from his relationship with God. And And it was a gift to him from God. And it was, in, it was enhanced by his very close relationship with God. Again, uh, here, here's a confidence that's not based on their ability as a nation to fight. For the most part, a lot of them are, are untrained and untested. It's not a confidence in their numbers. They were often outnumbered and outmatched. Again, Joshua was strong because he believed in this almighty, all-powerful, all-knowing, sovereign God. A a, a couple of years ago, as I was was, uh, uh, writing my dissertation, uh, I did it on on leadership transitions. uh, And I did a case study of a couple of different Bible characters. uh, You know, uh, Paul and Timothy and Elijah, Elisha. One of them was the transition between Moses and Joshua. And as I was doing that study and digging in a little more, I, I discovered things that I had never realized before. Like, I've read the Bible lots of times, and I, I just, I guess, skimmed right. I, I never connected the dots here, but what I realized explains a lot about why Joshua was so strong, why he was so uh, courageous. Because when you think about it, he, here's. One of the only guys, like when they went to spy out the land, it was just Joshua and Caleb that said, no, we got this. We can do it. Like, it seems like Joshua has more confidence, more faith, more courage than any other person in Israel. Other than Moses. Like, why? Why is he so strong? Where is his confidence coming from? We read about in Numbers 11.28 that Joshua was the personal attendant of Moses from his youth. So since Joshua was, was young, he was right there next to Moses. Which means that he got uh, kind of a first-hand view at all that God was doing in and through Moses and Moses' ministry. We, we learn about uh, when Moses was called up to uh, the, the mountain to receive the Ten Commandments, right? It says in Exodus 23, Now the Lord said to Moses, Come up to me on the mountain and remain there, and I will give you stone tablets with the law and the commandment which I have written for their instruction. So Moses goes up to the mountain, leaves everybody else at the camp. Where's Joshua? Well, it says in the next verse, So Moses arose with Joshua his servant, and Moses went up to the mountain of God. That is amazing to me. So when, when Moses goes up to Mount Sinai, Joshua is right there with him, trailing behind because that's what a good personal attendant does. While Aaron and everybody else is back in the camp, freaking out and melting their jewelry to make golden calves, Joshua gets to be with Moses on that mountain with God. That is That is remarkable. And then uh, later on in Exodus 33, we read about how uh, Moses would set up this this tent of meeting where he would meet with God. Exodus 33, it says, Now Moses used to take the tent and pitch it outside the camp, a good distance from the camp. uh, And he called it the tent of meeting. And everyone who sought the Lord would go to the tent of meeting, which was outside the camp. And it came about whenever Moses went out to the tent, that all the people would arise and stand, each at the entrance of his tent, and gaze after Moses until he entered the tent. Whenever Moses entered the tent, a pillar of cloud would descend and stand at the entrance of the tent. And the Lord would speak with Moses. And when all the people saw the pillar of cloud standing at the entrance of the tent, all the people would arise and worship, each at the entrance of his tent. Thus the Lord used to speak to Moses face to face, just like a man speaks to his friend. Oh, man. Amazing. Just amazing picture there. Where was Joshua when Moses was in the tent of meeting, speaking with God, engulfed in this pillar of cloud? Well, It tells us next. It says, when Moses returned to the camp, his servant, Joshua, the son of Nun, a young man, would not depart from the tent. Joshua was right there in that tent of meeting while Moses got to speak to God face to face like a man speaks to his friend. Like Joshua knew without a doubt that God was real and that God was on their side and that God was powerful. All oh, the, the The confidence that Joshua had was directly related with his proximity to this great and powerful God. Why does, why does Joshua have so much faith? It's because he, his whole life, had been so close to God. The amount of strength and courage that you have in your life will be directly proportional to, to your proximity to God. How close you are to God will determine how much strength you have to live this life. The closer you get, the more strength and the more courage you'll have. The further away from God you get, the more fear, the more insecurity, the more worry, the more failure you will have in your life. Last week, Bobby preached from uh, from John 15 where Jesus says, listen, you need to abide in me. You need to stay connected to me. And if you do that, you'll bear much fruit. There's going to be success. There's going to be good things that happen. If you don't, you can do nothing. If we don't stay close to God, if we don't abide in Christ, we can do nothing. We think we can. We think we can do more. We think we can do stuff. We feel like we can do it on our own. We try too often to do it on our own. But at some point, we have to believe what God's Word says, that apart from Him, we can't do anything. Really, the entire book of Joshua is all about the source of our strength and our courage. It's all about how we need to let God lead us and guide us and be our victory. We live in a world that is increasingly weak and afraid. We live in a world that is harsh and cruel. A world that is, that is filled more and more with anxiety and worry. And I don't want any one of you to be weak or afraid. I want you to be strong and courageous. Here, here in the first chapter of Joshua, every time God tells Joshua to be strong and courageous, He follows it up with a reason why. There's a reason why you can be strong and courageous, Joshua. There are good reasons why we can be completely fearless. And so let's, uh, let's, let's look at those reasons, let's learn them, let's lock them into our hearts, let's, let's tattoo them on our forearm, let's remember them, let's, let's walk in them every single day whenever we have any kind of fear or worry or anxiety or whenever we start to drift, whenever we need to, let's remember why we can be strong and courageous and what the source of our confidence is. In verse 6, God says, Be strong and courageous, for you shall give this people possession of the land which I swore to their fathers to give them. Be strong and courageous because I, God, have made you guys some promises. That's a promise for me, God. You you can rest in that. I've I've already promised that you're going to have victory. I've already promised you this land. It's yours. I made that promise a long time ago, and I'm going to keep that promise. Joshua, he's going to face cities with huge walls, people who live in the land that are cruel and brutal and evil. He's going to face well-equipped and well-trained armies, but none of that matters because what he has on his side is all the promises of God. What are some of the promises of God that, that he's made to you and I? I mean, the Bible is full of them. There's tons of them. I'm going I'm to list just a couple of my favorites. Jesus says in John three thirty six, whoever believes in the Son has eternal life. That is a promise. Whoever does not obey the Son shall not see life, but the wrath of God remains on him. So our default setting is sinful and rebellious and enemies of God who sit under the wrath of God. But those who believe and obey the son of God have eternal life. God's wrath no longer rests on us. It's gone. It's off our shoulders. That is a promise from him. It's another one closely related. First 1 John 1:9, 1, if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Are are, are you a sinner? Yes. Yeah. But when we confess our sin, admit our sin, repent of our sin, this says God is faithful and He's just to cleanse us from all of our sin. All of it. That's amazing. Like the past ones, the ones we're doing right now, the ones we're not even thinking about yet, but we're going to do tomorrow. Like all of our sins have been cleansed. That is a miracle right there. That's a straight up miracle from God, right? Because some of us are really sinful. But God promises to cleanse us from all of it. Which is really good news, and we need to cling to that every day of our lives. Is God, is God able to keep us clean, to keep us saved, to keep us close to Him? Absolutely. Ephesians 1, 13-14. Oh, some of my favorite verses in the whole Bible. It says in Him, Jesus, you also after listening to the message of truth the gospel of your salvation having also believed you were sealed in him with the holy spirit of promise who is given as a pledge of our inheritance with a view to the redemption of god's own possession to the praise of his glory oh man i love this promise of god so much because even though even though i know uh, that I've believed in Jesus and and that He's forgiven all my sin. I still sin. I still make mistakes, and sometimes it's even willful rebellion. Sometimes it's like what Paul says, where I don't do what I what I want to do, but I do the thing that I don't want to do anymore. I don't I don't do the obedience that I want. Instead, I still do the disobedience that I don't want. But again, God doesn't just forgive. The past sins, but all the sins forgives them, and then and then he uh, seals me with his holy spirit, the Holy Spirit of promise, it says, branding me as his own possession, giving me this pledge, this promise of of my inheritance, a promise from God that is secure. I'll praise God that there is this amazing promise, the seal of ownership that is on me because of Jesus Christ my Lord. Oh man. There have been some amazing promises that God has made. And we just need to hold fast to them. Romans 8 28, and God know, uh, God causes all things to work together for good. To those who love God, to those who are called according to His promise, praise God for that promise. Philippians 4, 6, be anxious for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all comprehension, will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. Praise God for that one. I like that promise because that promise isn't uh, God saying, I'm going to immediately... Resolve all your problems. I'm going to just fix all the problems in your life. That's, that's not what he's saying. It really doesn't say anything about what happens to our situation. The change isn't there. The change is in us. Right? Don't be anxious instead. Pray. When you do that, here's what God's going to give you. Peace. The peace of God. This, this peace that surpasses comprehension. Peace that guards your heart and guards your mind. A peace that enables you to be strong and courageous. No matter what the situation looks like. There's a lot of value in reviewing those promises often. So uh, the first reason why Joshua can be strong and courageous is because God has made him a promise. Second, God says to Joshua, only be strong and very courageous. Be careful to do according to all the law which Moses, my servant, commanded you. Don't turn from it, not to the right or the left, so that you may have success wherever you go. The book of the law shall not depart from your mouth, but you shall meditate on it day and night so that you may be careful to do according to all that is written in it. For then you will make your way prosperous and then you'll have success. Again, two times God says, listen, here's the secret to success. Stay close to my word. You you, you live in it, you walk in it, you meditate on it, you live there. The closer you are to to my word, that's where you're going to have your success. Be strong and courageous by staying in the Word. I think that a lot of us know that that is the secret to success in our life. That's the source of our strength and our courage. It's to simply stay close to the Word of God and to stay true to the Word of God and to obey it and to live in it. But man, Satan is very, very good at convincing us to not... Listen to God's word. Did he really say that? Is that really what he means? Is that really what he wants? That seems super unreasonable. Really, God expects you to live that way? No, you can't do that. That's old-fashioned. You, you can do whatever you want. you got to do what's right for you. you got to do what feels good for you. you got to do what makes you happy. And if only Adam and Eve had, had stayed true to God's word instead of listening to the serpent. God's Word is not confining. It is freeing. It's it's not about controlling us, but it's about about enabling us to be all that God has created us to be. And God's Word and in God's will is the safest, most secure, most blessed place that we could possibly be as human beings. And anywhere else, even a little bit to the right or to the left of God's Word and God's will is a scary, dangerous place to live. As as I counsel people who are in the midst of all kinds of different sin, struggle, I, I constantly try and point them back to what God's Word has to say, and not just because I'm like a Bible Pounding Baptist preacher, that's part of it maybe, but, but because I really do fully, completely, honestly believe that when we're following God's word, even, even when it's hard, like even in times where it's a struggle and we have to humble ourselves and we have to wade through difficult relationship things, and we, even, even then when we stay true to God's word, that's where we'll find success in this life. Here's a couple of passages to talk about the blessings of being in the Word of God. Psalm 119, 105 says, Your Word is a lamp to my feet and a light to my path. We wander in darkness when we step away from the Word of God at all. It's a light that will guide us through this dark world. Don't, don't stray from it. John fifteen seven. If you abide in me and my words abide in you, ask whatever you wish and it will be done for you what Jesus is saying there is is when you are close to God, when you're right there in the will of God, you'll know how to pray in a way that's in line with God's will. John 8, 31. Jesus was saying to those who had believed in him, if you continue in my word, then you are truly disciples of mine, and you'll know the truth, and the truth will make you free. There's freedom in the word of God. Anything else is slavery. 2 Timothy 3.16, all Scripture is breathed out by God and profitable for teaching and for reproof and for correction and for training in righteousness, that the man of God may be competent, equipped for every good work. Again, we're right there in the center of God's Word, close to it then we'll have strength and we'll have courage because we know that there is a great big God who is backing us up. And that's, that's essentially what God says in, in the third encouragement there in, in verse 9 in Joshua 1. Have I not commanded you be strong and courageous? Do not tremble or be dismayed. For the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. Be strong and courageous because you're not alone. God is with you wherever you go. So, so what, what exactly was it that enabled Joshua to be a man who was so strong and so courageous? I think it's, I think it's because he knew without a doubt from firsthand experience with all his heart that God was with him. That God was going before Him. That this this great, big, powerful God was fighting the battles for Him. Just before Jesus ascends back into heaven, He gives these instructions in Matthew 28. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And then Jesus says, and behold, I am with you always, to the very end of the age. Jesus reiterates this promise. Listen, you're not alone. You don't have to figure this all out by yourself. You don't have to fight these battles on your own. I am with you all the way to the end of the age. I don't know what you're going through in your life right now, but let me encourage you to be strong and courageous through it. Be strong and very courageous. Your God is with you wherever you go. He will not leave you. He he won't forsake you. You don't have to face any of your enemies alone. God will be with you all the way to the end of the age. What an awesome promise. God, we thank You so much for Your Word. We thank You for that, that promise that You are there. You're with us. You're close to us. You're fighting our battles for us. Oh, how foolish we are, God, when we try to fight our battles on our own, when we try and solve our problems through our own strength, when we have the almighty, all-powerful God on our side. Oh, Lord, help us to stay close to you, close to your word, close to your will. God, help us to know it, to meditate on it day and night, to not turn from it even a little bit. Lord, I pray that you would give us strength and courage to face whatever it is lies ahead of us. Because we know that you are a good God. Thank you so much, Lord, for your love and for your grace, for your mercy. Thank you for all these good gifts that you've given to us. Again, God, help us to stay close to you.